If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UJ Podcast. I'm Tyler. Here with me, as always, is my co-host, Curtis. And today, uh, we've got, so I, don't wanna, I don't know if I'm going to say it's unfortunate news to talk about, but we've got a couple of guys that are now officially no longer going to be a part of the program moving into 2018 season. There were, some, there were I guess, a few questions about each of these guys, whether they might come back uh, and stay with the team in the 2018 season or not. Of course, talking about Jacob Eason, who now is officially transferring to Washington. Trenton Thompson, who uh, I don't know if everyone... Uh, if he was high on everyone's list of guys who might potentially jump to the NFL, but he has made the jump. And also, just found out today, Roquan Smith found out on Monday that he is officially making the move to the NFL. It looks like he uh, he took it to the last second there, took it as long as he could, but uh, tough to blame him for making that jump. But we'll talk about all of those guys here momentarily, how they might impact the team moving forward in 2018. But before we do that, just a, a couple updates for you guys. Obviously, uh, you all are now entering the journey with us through this interminable offseason. It's going to suck, especially when the season ended how it ended. I'm still not over how it ended, but I'm sure none of you guys are either. But uh, we'll do our best. We know that football is obviously number one for all of you guys out there. So we will never, ever uh, ignore football. That will always be a topic of conversation here. And we're going to try uh, at least through the early part of the offseason. While it is basketball season, we're, not gonna, we're, we're definitely going to toss some basketball here. Hopefully this week we'll probably have our first basketball-centric show. But we're never going to ignore football. And every week we'll have at least one football fix show. We're thinking about making it like a football Friday type thing. Obviously this week we have the show up on Tuesday because we did have the Roquan Smith announcement. We want to make sure to cover that cover that as timely as we could. So definitely have some football each and every week for you here during the offseason, a couple other sports as well. So just because the offseason does not mean that our podcast is going anywhere. Make sure to tune in each and every week. And also want to make sure that everyone knows, I'm sure you guys know by now if you've been listening to the show, but just in case you don't, you guys can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UJ. Let me get your thoughts on everything going on. I know this, again, know it's the offseason, but there's still a ton going on. Got re- the recruiting seasons, although it's kind of different this year, obviously, with the early signing period. We've got recruiting coming up here with the old school sign day in early February. Basketball going on right now and all that good stuff. You can also find us on a bunch of different podcasting platforms out there. You can find us first and foremost on dollarsportsradio.com. You can also download the Dollar Sports Radio internet. Uh, radio app to your smartphone and you you can also of course find us on the bigger uh, outlets out there iTunes, SoundCloud and the Stitcher and TuneIn apps as well so plenty of places for you guys to find us and uh, we always appreciate you guys rating and reviewing the show if you haven't done so already it would be really great we'd really appreciate it if you could rate and review the show on your preferred platform let us know what you think and and how we're doing here but with all that out of the way Kurt let's go ahead my man and uh, let's just dig into these and there's not a ton to talk about here with these three guys, but I think these are these have been three important pieces of the puzzle at various times in their career. I'm interested, Kurt, to see 
how you think this is going to impact our 2018 season. Now, it's just three guys, but still, it's three guys that, again, at some point have had a pretty significant impact on our team. Let's start with Jacob Beeson. Were you surprised at all that he ultimately ended up making the decision to transfer uh, back home to Washington? No, not at all. I think it was best for him. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. And there were some some folks out there, and everyone's obviously welcome to, to their opinion, and, and my opinion is no better than anyone else's out there, but there were some folks that were – pretty adamant that the best option for Jacob Eason was to come back next year and fight for the job on equal footing uh, when he's <clears throat> with no injury situation to deal with it. He has the entire offseason to fight for the job back, and if it doesn't work out, then he could potentially transfer as a grad transfer. But we don't really know if he would be eligible to be a grad transfer. We don't know if he was going to graduate early. Now. I don't know. But some people were adamant that, he, that he's still the better quarterback, and the only reason we didn't make the change during the season was because, you know, Kirby didn't want to mess with a good thing with Fromm. It's kind of superstitious and didn't want to mess with team chemistry. But if you have the whole offseason, Eason's the better quarterback and come back and win the job. Are, were you one of those guys that thought if you give him another chance this offseason that Jacob Eason would take that job back again? Um, you know, I made the argument. I think there was a I mean, there's an argument you've made, but I think when he looked at the quarterback room, he saw what Fromm had done and, you know, from uh, the way Fromm had played. But at the same time, he also looked and saw who else was in the quarterback room. You got someone like uh, Justin Fields coming in that these coaches, I mean, that's who the coaches want going forward is someone like Justin Fields with his skill set. And Eason more or less is going to a school where they an offense that fits what he wants to do, and the quarterbacks that are on the roster are, are a lot similar to him. He's not going to be competing against someone who's got the who you know held the position down for an entire year like Fromm, or on the other side is someone that's a dual threat like Fields because I mean he's just not that much different. Yeah, and, and Washington makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons for Eason. Obviously, he's going back home. That's that's. Priority number one, right? That that that's the obvious choice there. But it's also a really good situation from the quarterback perspective because you got Jake Browning at Washington, who's been the quarterback for a couple of years now. He's going into his senior year, uh, and this is, happens to be the year that East will have to redshirt. So East will have a chance to sit back, no pressure, try to win the job this year, obviously because he'll have to be redshirting. But he's going to learn the system with Chris Peterson. Chris Peterson's not going anywhere; he's in the same guy, same system. He's had some success with quarterbacks in the past, going back to Kellen Moore's Boise State days. Uh, but then when Eason's done redshirting, well, that job's going to be wide open because Jay Bryan's going to graduate. He's going to be gone, and Eason might be the odds-on favorite. They have a couple other guys there as well. Uh, reading some of the Washington papers, we've got four or five other guys, or three or four other guys, or say five with Eason potentially, that are going to be vying for that job. But is it fair to say Eason probably is the odds-on favorite to win that job considering his, his recruiting pedigree and his, his skill set? Well, and the fact that he's got an experience in SEC football. Yeah, this is a guy that actually has experience for essentially a full season in the SEC. You're right. And I think he grew up a lot, too. Most of these kids never had to face the adversary uh, that he faced this past season. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair point. So I I, I want to make sure we I, I say here, and I, I think you're I know you're definitely the same <laughs> mind. Uh, I want to wish Jacob Beeson the best of luck, man. I, I absolutely do. I have I mean clearly no hard hard feelings to him because there's no reason to have hard feelings. Why? I mean the, the kid did nothing wrong whatsoever. I, I hate for him how it went down. You know, it's hate to see anyone get Wally pipped like that where you're the guy, you get injured, and and things just start clicking when the other guy gets in there, and it's tough to get your job back. Uh, I, I hate it for him, but it looks like he's probably living in a really good situation, all things considered. I know he, he would have loved to have finished his career at Georgia, and I, I wish it would have worked out for him. I wish he was still on our team. I think, obviously, we're I mean, we're a better team with Jacob Beeson still on our team, correct? Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt, you know, the, with the depth situation. Now, we still, even with Eason gone now, we're in a, 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 yet again in a perilous situation where you have two scholarship quarterbacks on roster. Because uh, Bryce Ramsey's gone, Eason's gone, so we've got Fields and we've got Fromm. Uh, if if something happens to Fromm, then Fields—I mean, literally—he is the only other scholarship quarterback on the roster. So that's a scary situation. I mean, I, I definitely think we were a better team with Eason, and I, I would love to see him come, come back and compete. I just 
I don't know if that was ever a realistic situation for him to put himself in. Don't don't you see like was there not some risk with him potentially coming back and trying to win this job again? Oh yeah, like you said, he goes up there and he gets a full season in Washington to learn the system, and then he, you know, it's easier for him to step right in right away because he knows the system. He has a, some type of connection with their players and receivers and stuff, timing wise and everything. Yeah, I just, oh yeah, I agree. And ultimately, I just think there's less risk for him making I mean, the move. Honestly, you know, when it came down to him, I knew he was going to transfer. I thought there was two options: either he was going to go back to Washington, or there's also the chance he would just go to an FCS school and try to put up ridiculous numbers and not have to sit out and just go straight pro. Yeah, I mean, and there was some thought that he might do something like that. I, I never really thought that that would be the route he took, um, but it, it certainly was not outside of the realm of possibility. But I, I think going back home, the chance to, to be the guy after Jake Browning, I think that, and especially with a guy like Chris Peterson, who's, a, who's an offensive mind, who's got the reputation that he has, I think that was appealing to him and his family, and, and I, I absolutely 100% wish them the best. I'm not going to be one of those guys that, that uh, if Eason does really well, that I'm going to say, God, I, you know, I really hope he does poorly because I don't want it to look badly on us. I don't, you know, that kind of thing. I, no, I want the guy to go out there and ball out and, and play really well, and I, I fully expect him to do that at, at some point here in the, in the next couple of years. So he will definitely not be a part of the team moving forward. Um, We'll talk about Fromm and, and Fields a lot throughout this offseason. We're going to hold that conversation here. I think, let's just say, is it fair to say that Fromm will go into the offseason as the guy, Curtis, clearly? Yeah, I don't, yeah, that's clear. Yeah, yeah and, and and I think, but I, I think on the other, the, the other thing you have to look at here, do you truly believe that Kirby Smart, now that we said that clearly Fromm's going to be the guy going into the offseason, do you truly believe that Kirby Smart and the offensive staff will give Justin Fields, a true opportunity to win that job. I do, just because I think it's the fact that it's been, you know, it's been noted that that's what Kirby wants. That's what he wants. He wants that type of dual threat quarterback, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, he's faced it, he's coached against it. He knows that he wants that, more or less he wants that to be the face of the Georgia offense going forward. Yeah, I agree with you. Um... There, there have been some whispers. It's, it's a small, it's, it's a vocal minority, I guess, and maybe not even that vocal. But there are folks out there who, uh, you know, just are adamant that Kirby played favorites this season. Uh, whether it was Nick Chubb, you know, being the feature back all season, when, and I, and I agree, I think Sony was probably the better back all season long. Uh, I'm not sure why Nick was, was a starter, but I don't think that's because Kirby Smart was playing favorites. And also with Jake Fromm, they, they basically the idea that Jake Fromm was the was Kirby's guy. He's the one. He went out and recruited him. He flipped him from Alabama. He was his guy all along, and Easton never really had a chance. Do, do you buy into any of that argument? Um, not really, because Kirby put a lot of stock in Easton his first year. I mean, he pretty much tied his wagon to Easton because he tripped mm-hmm. he, he I mean, he gave Lambert what, a game, really. I mean, he yeah. could have given him a little bit more of that, but no, he went straight to Easton pretty much as early as he could, and he tied his wagon to him. I mean, when, even when Easton struggled later in the season and throughout the, some of the rough patches, he never really gave Lambert anyone else a chance. I think the one big wrench in the whole this whole narrative for, from some people that that Kirby went with Fromm because Fromm was his guy, so was, well, if Fromm was his guy, why wasn't Fromm starting from day one? To me, that's the big wrench in that in that argument. Is okay, well, if if, if it was a fait accompli that Fromm was going to be the guy, then why was he not starting game one? It, it, so I, I honestly truly think it was a situation where Easton gets hurt, Fromm plays really well uh, early on, makes good decisions with the ball, team's rolling. Uh, you don't want to mess with chemistry. It's it's tough to take the guy out in that situation because what what if you take Fromm out and Easton comes in and loses the game? Easton's going to get killed. Kirby's going to get killed. But bottom line is, I, I I do think that Kirby and our staff are going to do what's best for Georgia and put the guy out there they think yeah, I mean, is the best chance to win. All off 
offseason, you ha- and we'll start doubting Kirby what type of coach he was. That's all you heard this this past offseason. And uh, Kirby and them were finally starting to change the narrative after a big uh, road win against Notre Dame. And then you come home and you beat Mississippi State. I mean, he was starting to change the narrative. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, it's really hard to argue with the decision to stay with Fromm. Because, look, we just we just lost an overtime in the national championship game to the greatest college football coach in the history of college football with Jay Fromm at quarterback. And I, and I know Fromm wasn't, you know, we didn't lean on Fromm game in and game out, but he certainly didn't do anything to hold us back. Let's just say that. I mean, you don't, if, if it was the wrong decision, I don't think that we would have gotten to the point we got with got to with Jake Fromm. So, again, wish the absolute 100% best to Jacob Eason. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the two guys we have, but I still, it would be great if we had three of those. I mean, we, we have... We can say that we have three straight five-star quarterbacks, you know, recruiting three consecutive, cla- three successive classes here. But it sucks that only two of them are still here. But uh, that, uh, you know, in this day and age, with guys wanting to play uh, quarterback positions, is one of those positions where only one guy can play at a time. And if they don't see their route to playing time, a lot of times these days they're just gone. And uh, that can, I mean, that's kind of what we've seen here with with Jake, oh, Jacob Eason taking the, the less risky path here. All right, well, let's move on to the next guy, and that's Trent Thompson. We got the news. Late last week, that he has decided to forego his senior season and put his name in the NFL draft. Curtis, when you saw that news, what was your initial reaction? Uh, really? I mean, it didn't sting that much. You know, I thought it was really? a mistake on his part, but it didn't really sting me because, I mean, Trent has been such an up and down player. I mean, this past season, we, he, you know, we thought he was going to be important, and he really didn't do anything of recognition. I mean, this past season, I mean, you saw other people be the ones to step up and make plays. I mean, you saw Tyler Clark and people like that, even John Atkins. I mean, those people were the ones that were getting more recognizable play and stuff. Well, Tyler Clark outplayed him all year long. I mean, I know Trent got hurt in the early part of the season, uh, but even before that, Tyler Clark was outplaying him and essentially just took his job. That, that, is that how you see the situation? Yeah, I mean, you saw it, I mean, throughout the season, I mean, Tom Trent never started really. He pretty much didn't even. He, I, I mean, for a lot of the time, he wasn't even the first guy off the bench. Trent was a part-time starter throughout his entire career. He, I mean, think about thinking back to last year. I guess the two thousand fifth, the two thousand sixteen season. Now yeah, the he was replaced by a true freshman because he Julian was Rochester playing was playing over him. Julian Rochester yeah. was playing ahead of him, and then and this year when it was Tyler Clark. Out of shape. Yeah, yeah, and that's when Julian Rochester. Yeah, absolutely, was still trying to work himself into shape. Now by the end of the season. Thompson had taken the job back from Rochester, but for the vast majority of the 2016 season, Rochester was playing over him. And this year, you can essentially say the same thing, but except when he came back from injury, he never really took the job back from Tyler Clark. Now, he still played a lot, uh, and we had a nice rotation. You have to rotate on the defensive line in the SEC, really any conference, but especially the SEC, where trench warfare is is what it is. Um, But he was a part-time starter his entire career. And to me, it was it, it's really has been a source of frustration for me because when you yes, watch sure. Trent, I mean, the guy has the ability. You, would you agree? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it's frust- I agree. It's frustration. That's what I mean. He, like you said, he has the ability. At any one time, he could push a guy five yards back and make a play, but he just doesn't. Remember the the, the Liberty Bowl against TCU. What do you have? Yeah, three four, sacks, sacks, three or four sacks, I mean, four or five tackles for loss. I mean, he was a monster in that one game. He was the Trent Thompson we were all expecting him to be consistently. And that thing that I think that was the story of Trent's career. It was it was inconsistency. He had moments like that. He had games like that where he flashed, 
And you're like, oh, wow, this guy could be a monster. And it kind of kept us salivating, kept us thinking, okay, well, he's, he's, he's right around the corner. He's just one step away from taking that next step and become that dominant player we always expect him to be coming out of high school, kind of living up to his five-star. Like he's just, he's, you know, after that TCU Liberty Bowl game, we were all like, oh, my God, you know, next year as a junior, this guy's going to explode on this thing. He's going to be a monster. But it never happened, did it? No, not at all. I mean, like you said, it'd be for a game or two, but – he never was consistent, never put it all together. And, and part of it was injuries, and of course, you know, you, you got to mention what happened in the offseason with, you know, with the medical situation. I guess you want, is that what we'd call it, a medical situation? Um, you know, we, we don't exactly know. I mean, we know what the report is that went on there, but we don't exactly know what happened. But it was a really weird situation. I mean, but even then, I mean, a month or, month or month and a half later, he was back, you know, around the campus, just not enrolled in classes, but was working out with football team. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was he was around campus. I saw him around campus. Within a, he said, like, within a month or so of that time. And people were saying, well, I don't know if Trent's going to be on the team. I was like, yeah, Trent's going to be on the team. He's here. He's just, you know, he's, got, he's got to work through that situation. Um, but I don't know, it was just... It just never clicked for Trent Thompson. And is there like, can you give any explanation as to why? Like in your mind, why is this a guy that if you look at him, athletically speaking, is one of the quicker, more explosive linemen we've had in in a long time here. But it, it never, never really materialized on the field on a consistent basis. So how do you explain that? Why did he never become that dominant player, game in and game out? I honestly don't know. I mean, to me, I don't know if it was up in his head or what, because he definitely had the physical ability to do it. I don't know if it was his drive or what. It's really hard for us to say from a distance because we're not there every day. And in in some ways, I do think it's kind of irresponsible for us to to speculate because we really don't know. Just simply, I just think it was some mental mentality. I mean, I don't know what it is, but we, you know, like I said, it's not. It wasn't physical ability. I agree. Uh, so it, when you look at the physical ability, it's there. Now, he did fight through injuries, but the physical ability is there. Clearly, it's clear as day. So to me, it leaves me with one thing. It's, there's got to be something in his mental makeup where it just never clicked. And I'm, and I'm, not ta- I'm not saying the guy's dumb. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying, is it is it drive? Is it is it passion for the game? Uh, is it understanding... Uh, you know, le- technique and leverage. I, I, I don't under, I, I really don't know. I mean, I really, I know I'm speculating here and I, and I just, I think it's kind of irresponsible to do so, but it's, you know, we're not there every day. That's all we're left to do. But for whatever reason, it just, it never quite clicked for him uh, here. Now he was good. He did some good things for us, but he was never, he never lived up to that five-star dominant even to tackle billing. And that's a guy that, I mean, it, it really it sucks honestly when you look at when you look at Auburn a guy like you have a guy like Derek Brown right who we missed on a year after Trent and he's lived up to that billing the guy's been a beast and Trent just hasn't quite got he never really quite got to that point and Brown was a year younger than him so that's it's kind of frustrating uh, seeing that happen but I, again another guy I wish all the best I, I hope everything works out from the NFL I hope he's another one of those guys a long list of Georgia players who were uh, were good but never great at the college level but then just kind of tear it up and, and step their game up to the next level in the NFL. I hope I hope that happens for him. I really do. I wish him the best. It just, unfortunately for us, never quite materialized to, to, for him to be that dominant player that we were all hoping eventually, maybe, possibly, that he could he could become, kind of grow into. Uh, but I, before we move on to Roquan here, last question on Trent. So I, I think we both agree that he's not, he never became that dominant player for us up front. How does it impact our defense with him not being there next year? Um, I think it hurts with the fact of death-wise a little bit, but um, overall, I don't know. I mean, defensive end-wise, you're looking at Ledbetter, um, Marshall, and I think Cox, Malik, Malik Herring. 
Malik Herring's gonna, yeah, he's definitely he'll be a big time player next year. PT late in season. Yeah. I think you're see someone like Britton Cox probably in that role because he enrolled early. They're gonna try to get the weight on him, get him up to the 270, 275 range. I could see Cox filling more of a defensive end role. I could. I mean, it, a, a I mean, lot of that depends on his body. What, 6'5", 250, 255. Yeah, he's 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 at least two forty five right now. I mean, that's you could easily put twenty five pounds on him, and he'd be bigger. David Marshall and Herring were both his their freshman. Yeah, he would be bigger than Herring was his freshman. Yeah, Marshall and too. He's an right. early enrollee. Yeah. It, it depends on how his body grows, but I could definitely see that scenario play out. I really could. Uh, there's no doubt and about so, that. So, I mean, the biggest thing would be D-tackle, because I, I, more than anything, I think we're going to miss John Atkins the most. I think um, we're definitely going to lose John Atkins. I think that's why the uh, Devontae Wyatt was so big getting him back on campus. Do you see him as a true nose guard? you see Wyatt as a nose guard backing up Rochester or maybe being the starting um, guy? I think he's – well, I mean, that's the thing, though. He uh, Trent never really tr- truly played that nose tackle role either because he never no, – I mean, well, it's weird. Rochester, his his freshman year, Rochester played more of that three technique. He wasn't really that 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 zero tech, that nose guard type guy. Which that's almost exclusively what he played this year. Uh, he yeah. he was backing up uh, John John Atkins, and John John's gone. So you assume, okay, maybe Rochester's gonna be the heir apparent there at that zero technique nose guard. But who backs him up? I mean, you, does Daquan Hawkins Muckle get back in the picture? I think he may have a chance. I mean, he started to do some things later in the season. I think they're going to try to give him a chance because, I mean, they're, they're going to rely on him to try to get him into the lineup. And I think they're also going to try to, um, if we sign someone like a Jordan Davis or someone, they're going to try to get him developed as quickly as yeah, they can. I, 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 yeah, Jordan Davis is a guy. I mean, he, he is a nose guard all the way. Uh, and he'll yeah, have to his, be a, I mean, he has the size of a uh, Deron Payne. Yeah, and just honestly, I don't know if he's going to be – we're ultimately going to sign him. And it's not because like him decommitting from us. I don't know if we'll move on to somebody else. Well, but Either him or Sandridge, I think, plays that position. I think Sandridge could play a three, or he could play nose. He could. Um, Davis I mean, is more of, those, of a true one nose. one of those that can play both. I think if you if you needed him for one or two snaps to, to give people breathers, he could. Yeah. It would be interesting to see how that plays out. But I'm with you. I think, if anything, this hurts us depth-wise. Because, like we said, I don't, I don't think we're losing a game-changer in Trent Thompson. Uh, now, if if he was coming back this year, we, we, I would probably be saying the same thing I've said for the past two years. This is going to be the year. This is going to be the year that Trent's going to step up and he's going to he's going to bust out. He's going to be that dominant player. But honestly, to this point, we've seen no, we saw no evidence of him doing that consistently. So I, I probably would have said it all offseason. Well, Trent's going to be a beast next year, but we we just never really saw that. Um, so I don't know. We, we, bottom line is his production through three years was not of the game changing variety. It just simply was not. There were moments where it was, but just not on any consistent basis whatsoever. So I don't think we're losing a game changer. I, th- I do think we're losing a really solid piece that will hurt us depth wise. Um, to me, this is why we have sincere, like we have seriously got to pick it up on the recruiting trail, recruiting interior defensive linemen. We have been killing it almost everywhere else. I mean, obviously with the number one class right now, we'll see how that plays out with with uh, the the February signing day coming and going. In a couple weeks here, but the one area—tell me if you disagree. I think the one area that we still have some deficiencies in our recruiting is on the de- interior of the defensive line. Yeah, I do, and I think it's really killed us that there's been so little in-state talent, and when there yeah. has been, we missed on it before. Yeah, it's just kind of been a confluence of events where you're right. There hasn't been the the, the quantity of big-time defensive tackles in the state hasn't been great. Even the really entire Southeast, especially in the state of Georgia, hasn't been all that great the past couple of years. And then when you have a guy last year like Aubrey Solomon, who is one of those guys in the state, and you miss on him, and he goes to Michigan, and the year before Derek Brown from Lanier, you miss on him, and he goes to your rival in Auburn. Uh, th- those things are magnified and they hurt because you, there just haven't been that many of those guys in recent years. So maybe you know Rick Sandage was at the basketball game this weekend up here on a visit. Uh, Kirby was was working his charm with him like he was a bunch of other guys. Uh, so hopefully you know that's a guy and he, he's been high on us all year. 
uh, probably us or South Carolina. Uh, to me, it's an obvious choice, but uh, I'm sure he's looking. He's got a lot, a lot of things he's looking at. Um, but uh, we'll see how that plays out. But bottom line is, we need to get some serious playmakers in here on that in that interior defensive line position quickly. Um, and the, these last couple weeks here, we'll talk more about this in recruiting uh, over the next couple weeks. But I'll go ahead and spoiler alert here. For me, the one position where I'm looking at the most is that interior defensive line spot. We've got to get some game changers there. Got to find a way. Got to find a way, some way, somehow. All right, and the last one here, last but certainly not least, uh, is the guy we were all holding out some hope for. Kurt, how, was it ever really a realistic thought in your mind that, that Roquan was going to come back? No, honestly, no. I mean, like it just, said, it just I, didn't make sense for him to come back. No, I mean, he's a, he's a certified first-round pick compared to the kids that came back last year were not. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are saying, you know, well, Nick and Sony came back, obviously. Davin, Lorenzo, those guys come back. And, and, and I, I did hear some, some conversations, some rumors that – that those guys' decision to come back was weighing heavily on him. They kind of set the example. But you're right. It's, it's kind of an apples to orange comparison, right? I mean, yeah, there's a, probably about $5, million, five plus million dollar difference. Yeah, I mean, Roquan, was, he's a bona fide first-round pick. Somewhere in the first round. Those guys weren't even coming close to stiff in the first round. Then let's be real. Like we talked about on the show uh, last week, that's the big reason those guys came back. Sure, there's a part of it they wanted to you know, do do good things for Georgia, and they didn't like the, the taste in the mouth losing to Tech in the regular season like that. But... I mean, bottom line, those guys, if they were first-round grades, they they would have gone out. They, they would have gone out. And so I – in no way can you blame Rick But In fact, it, it, it might have been, like, borderline irresponsible for him to come back. Would you agree? Yeah. Like, in some ways, I know you can get the Lloyds of London um, insurance, you know, and you get insurance on yourself like that. But still, like, if you come back, you're giving up a year of money-making ability. And and if you now if you are a, a projected third or fourth round pick and you can maybe put yourself in the second or first round, the next year within well, maybe you can make that up over the course of your contract. But when you're already great as a first round pick, and you choose to come back, you are literally giving up millions of dollars that you're not going to make back. You just you're not going to make that back. Now your experience at the University of Georgia for your senior year that that's something that you can you can never get back either, right? That's something that's that's a once in a lifetime kind of thing. Um, you're getting a, a degree, but you, you can come back and get your degree. Let's be real. And I know that's something that's important to Roquan. And um, I, it's it. I do find it interesting that he pushed it all the way back to the deadline today to to Monday when he had to announce. Uh, I, I I do think that he was prob. I think he was seriously considering coming back. Do you? Uh, yeah, I don't think that it was just a ploy. No, I think he was torn. Yeah, I I truly do. And I I don't know Roquan personally. Uh, I I I have not I have not spoken to him, but. From everything I've heard from a few people around the program, he is a di- just that different kind of dude, you know, where he does his priorities are a little different than everyone else. Comes from a small town in South Georgia, and he's just he's and there's a reason Kirby Smart loves the guy. He he's just different. He's not motivated by the same things. Of course, we're all motivated by money to some degree. We're all motivated by success to some degree. But I think he defined those things, you know, success uh, a little bit differently than your average player. Uh, maybe, maybe even differently like a guy like Trent Thompson. So I think he was seriously giving it some thought. I think he uh, he's just one of those leaders, and he feels some responsibility. I, th- I also think him and Kirby have a great relationship, um, which also probably factored into this to a degree. And he loves University of Georgia, want to get his degree. Uh, I could be wrong here, uh, and don't quote me on this. I think he might be a first – He could he, if he graduates, could be a first-generation graduate for his family. I think that's correct. Don't quote me 100% on that. But bottom line is his degree is very, very important to him. I've heard that from multiple different sources. Uh, so I, I do think he was genuinely torn and was strong considering. I don't think it was a ploy. I mean, because Roquan is – at what point is he giving us any any reason to, to think that he is one of those, like, look at me kind of guys, you know? Like, hey, I just want the attention. 
I haven't seen that from him. So I don't think that was the case. I think he was truly torn. But at the end of the day, I honestly, I think he made the right decision. It, it's really hard to, um, to to come back. And I, I know I'm not a super big NFL guy. I watch NFL, but I'm not big into it like I am college football. Maybe you are a little bit more than me, Kerr. But, and we'll talk more about this as the draft nears in, in a couple months. Where where do you in the first round see Roquan going? Um, probably the 10 to 20 range. Yeah, I mean, that's where we were seeing 10 to 20. I don't think he sneaks inside the top 10. I think top 10 is pushed. I think, to me, I, I'd say in the top 15 is probably about where I see him. Um, now, Roquan, I, I've been I've been I've been watching the program. I'm a little bit older than you. I got the the gray hair sneaking in here. Actually, not gray hair. Got hairs just disappearing left and right. But uh, so I, I've seen a little bit more Georgia football than you have over the years. I, I I'm jealous of your youth. But uh, I I said on Twitter when he made the decision that Roquan Smith. Um, first off, congratulations. And second off, he is the best defender that I have seen don the red and black in my lifetime. Am I off base in saying that? No, because I think the biggest thing is that he's just showed the consistency. I mean, you saw people like um, Leonard Floyd be a top 10 pick. You've seen Justin Houston's be all pro. Geno Atkins all pro. People like that. But David they never, Pollock, they, yeah. They, yeah, they, well, yeah, Pollock. But they never put it together. Consi- well, other than Pollock. Pollock was consistent in college. But other than that, none of them were very consistent in college. They had ups and downs. Um, didn't. Um, and I think so Roquan the last few years has definitely been one of the most consistent players, especially this past year. I mean, he turned it on. And I – there was not a better linebacker in college football. Oh, I hundred percent agree. Uh, and if you if you think about some of the better defenders that we've had in receivers, and even the guys in the NFL right now representing Georgia on the defense side of the ball, there's some of the better players on defense in the NFL. Like guys like Geno Atkins, um, guys like Leonard Floyd. Those guys in, in college at Georgia were not even close to the players, and not even close to the kind of production that Roquan Smith did. Like not even close. Geno Smith was a good player. But he was like honestly through Geno Smith's career at Georgia, there was no evidence whatsoever that we saw that he'd be Geno Smith or not Geno Smith. Well, uh, Geno Atkins, sorry, Geno Smith, uh, Geno Atkins. We saw no evidence whatsoever that he'd be the Geno Atkins he is now for the Cincinnati Bengals when he was in college. Uh, and I know that might have been a little bit before your time, but we never really saw that um, too much. And then Leonard Floyd, he had now Leonard Floyd was really good in, in moments. Now he wasn't so great setting the edge and that kind of thing and playing the run, but you saw the explosive pass rushing ability. But he, he never had more than six and a half sacks in a season in, at Georgia. So he was good, but he was never a dominant defender. Whereas Roquan Smith dominated every single game he was in. I mean, every single game. There was never a game where you're like, oh, Roquan didn't really play well today. Like, Roquan played well every single game. Now, you could say the first half against Oklahoma, he wasn't at his best, but he still played really well. It's all relative to what he does. I mean, I'll say this. In Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield probably does, he did deserve that. I mean, he's a great player. There's no doubt about it. He's a punk, but he's a great player. But I, I said from like game, from like week three, and my wife can attest to this. I know she's not here to actually attest to it, but I promise you she would she would back me up on this. Uh, and I might have said my show. I can't remember. But uh, to me... There was no one better at their position in college football this year than Roquan Smith. Like there were some guys that were that were maybe equal to him at their position. Like Baker Mayfield was a really good playing quarterback. You had some guys like that. But if you're looking at how good are they at what they do at playing their position, I'm not sure that there was anybody better at playing their position than Roquan Smith was as as a linebacker this year. Is is that is that me going overboard on this? Um, a little bit because I gotta say, Minka Fitzpatrick is a difference maker. He's a difference maker. But I, I don't think he's better at, at his position than Roquan is at his position. I really don't. I mean, I do because he's. I mean, he plays so many different positions for Bama, but he's always been. Well, versatility is one thing, but I, I just I, 
I'm, yeah, but but Mika, I don't know if Mika Fitzpatrick... He plays those different positions. He's always been one of the top players when he's, well, he's doing he's a stud. I mean, Mika Fitzpatrick's a stud. There's no question about that. I just... I don't know if Mika Fitzpatrick dominated every single game defensively like Roquan Smith did. I just don't know if he did. Um, but he... I mean, it, it, you can't go wrong with either guy. I, I totally see where you're coming from. Uh, but I... I and Brad, like Bradley Chubb, you know, winning one of those awards over Roquan. Bradley Chubb was really good at NC State, but he wasn't better at his position than Roquan was. I, I don't think so. And maybe I'm a bias. Sure, maybe I am. And I'm, I'm an old school yeah, linebacker we, myself. We sit here and go through almost. And every I watch play every single play. That, yeah, there's, that's fair. I watch every single play that Roquan's played. There's no doubt. And I, have, I and fair. I've, I've watched several game, multiple games of Alabama, but did not watch them every single snap of every single game. But for my money, Roquan's about as good as it gets. So uh, I love the guy. Uh, he, he was not only was he an outstanding player production wise for us, but he was the heart and soul of this defense. And I think I, I don't know. Tell me. How do we replace Roquan Smith? Let me just ask that question. How in the world do we replace him? I mean, you're not going to replace him with individual talent. I think it's more by committee next year, especially when we try to develop mm. some of these guys. I mean, it's more or less you're going to be trying to rotate guys in and out, keeping them fresh. Um, it, it's, you, a, it's a concern for also, me. The thing is, we had to rely on him so much to make up for other players' deficiencies, and I don't think we're going to have that, many, that much deficiencies across the board as we did this past year. Yeah, I think we'll I think we'll have more talent across the board defensively, but losing some of the leadership and experience, especially guys like Roquan. Who, I mean, we had a lot of good leaders in this defense. You know, like Dominic Sanders and Lorenzo. Yeah, but but, Roquan, for the most part, had to make a lot of tackles. But now I think you have people like Richard LeCount and J.R. Reese going to take another step forward that are going to be able to come up and help and run stopping. Hopefully. Hopefully. I just know we don't have any linebackers that are remotely close to Roquan Smith right now on roster. Yeah, but let's be honest. When Roquan first enrolled, we were, we were all questioning where, if he was ever going to play. Yeah. You, 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 can never, you can never predict. It's hard. I just it's, it's just hard for me to imagine we have somebody on the roster right now that's going to be as good as Roquan Smith. Maybe, maybe we have some guys that can get close. Uh, I, I liked what we saw from Money Rice and spot duty this year, but he's, he's not a Roquan-type linebacker. He's not the same athlete that Roquan is, and he's more of a downhill-type guy, which is fine. Uh, I really, I'm really high, and you guys have heard me say this before. I'm really high on Channing Tindall, uh, the guy that we've signed from South Carolina. I think he's the guy that the next guy in line to be a Roquan type player. I'm not going to call him Roquan. I don't know if he'll be that good, but I think he's got uh, all the tools. Or he, he, he's closer to having all the tools that Roquan had than anybody else. I mean, Nate McBride's a guy that's got all the athletic tools in the world. But, man, instinctively, he's just not a natural linebacker. At least he didn't show it in high school. And maybe a year uh, learning to play the position will help him. But he, yeah, he's got a lot to learn in terms of actually just learning to play the linebacker well, position. The one thing I think that's going to help Nate is the fact that he's had a year under Roquan. And even then, Ooh. I honestly believe that we have one of the better inside linebacker coaches. Because oh, yeah, when, you go back to, when you go back to what Schumann did at Bama, every every Bama player defensively will say if they were having trouble learning the system and things like that, that they would go to Schumann. He would sit down there and literally teach them how to do it. Yeah. I mean, Schumann's a beast. There's no doubt about it. Schumann's an, he's a, he's an up-and-coming rising star in this profession. There's no doubt about it. I hope we can keep the guy f- for a long time. Uh, I think eventually he might end up being our defense coordinator here before too long. That's, we'll see how that plays out. But he, he's, he's a stud. And he, I, I trust him to have the guys ready. I just We're just not going to have one guy that plays like Roquan Smith played last year. We're not going to have that next year. And that's okay. You're right. I think we're yeah, going to have more have talent. That years before that. That's true. We didn't. We didn't. But, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm just going to miss the guy. Uh, heart and soul of the team, or at least the defense, I think. Uh, and I think his leadership is going to be something we're definitely going to miss. And we'll talk about that more as the offseason continues on here. I, that's, but again, another spoiler alert here. One thing that I'm really concerned about heading into next year, we've got a long time before this happens. We've got time for guys to, to grow in these positions. But the leadership void on defense something I am uh, 
I'm a little concerned about right now. I think we got guys like Jonathan Ledbetter who's going to be one of those guys that can really jump into that position. I mean, I J.R. Reed. Andre Baker, who's already starting to take more of a role. And also Do you think Baker has that in him? I mean, he sure seems to that he's willing to try to take that role. I, I mean, hope he does. This is the thing, though. You're, we're sitting here trying to say, oh, these people can't be leaders. but They just don't know. We, I mean, but a year or two before, we were questioning these people. So I think it's funny that, you know, we're saying we're missing all these people. But a year ago, they weren't leaders in our eyes. So yeah. a lot can change. Yeah, and, and Kirby, like I said in the last show, does a really good job of cultivating leadership. I think I truly believe that leadership is something that can be taught. And there are some people who are natural-born leaders, like maybe a Jake Fromm. But it, those skills are something that can definitely be taught and cultivated over time. Kirby with his leadership groups does a great job of that. Um, so I, I have confidence that we'll find those guys. I'm just – I'm just saying, if I'm looking at it right here, it's hard for me to like pick out like, this guy, this guy, that guy, that guy. Um, we but, have a, at this time last year, we had yeah, the same yeah, you, yeah. You don't know. I mean, you're not. I you're, mean, Sony, Sony, and all them weren't leaders at this time last year. Kirby is trying to prod them to become leaders because they were too hesitant. To, yeah. you know, to uh, not forthcoming. Really, that's true. I, I do, I do have faith in our head man to, to get that job done and cultivate those leaders. It's just going to be interesting to see how, how it plays out. There's no doubt there. All right. Uh, well, that does it for us today on the show, guys. We'll definitely be back later in the week. Actually, finally, I know it's, you know it's been long awaited, or at least on our part, we've been teasing this. And I know a lot of you guys don't really care about basketball. That's just which is totally fine. But if you do, I know there are some of you out there. We're gonna have some basketball conversation uh, later this week, so definitely check in and tune into that. Uh, just give you a, a, a fair warning here. Uh, I'm not too thrilled how the basketball team is, is playing right now, Curtis. I know from talking to you this weekend, you're not either. So it might be uh, a little bit of a harsh look at the basketball team but we'll look at where the basketball team is right now and how we're playing and all that good stuff later in the week so check back with us uh thanks for listening guys we really do always appreciate it. we'll be here all off season so we're not going anywhere make sure you guys tune in as well but for curtis i'm tyler and as always go dogs ah mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.